Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. From Canada to New York City, you're listening to Cop On. I'm thrilled and delighted. I could not be more thrilled. I could not be more delighted because not only have Liverpool somehow, somehow finished third in the Premier League, um, I'm also joined by uh, Abdul from Watch LFC. I'm joined by Liam, who's a writer, writes about French football, has a podcast about Olympique Lyon, who we can tell you about. And uh, I'm also joined, um, delighted to be joined again by Holmes, uh, where Homie from uh, Yanks of the Cop, and I think Sophie from Yanks of the Cop will be hopefully joining us in a little bit. Um, uh, she is excellent stuff. Thank you. Marvellous stuff. Thank you very much, Homie, for confirming that. And um, I, I think there's no better place to start uh, than Mohamed Salah, uh, who wrote um, on Twitter, Mohamed Salah, he said, we went through a lot this season. Um, the empty stadiums, coupled with the great hurdles we faced, would have shattered any other team. Not us. We came third and never stopped believing. Holmes, I'm going to come to you first. Holmes, did you ever stop believing and how are you feeling now? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, there was a point I did stop believing about top four. Um, it was kind of... I mean, I didn't. I felt like it was an up uphill task, especially after we uh, we drew to Leeds and Newcastle in those games. Um, I was a bit feeling a bit um, despondent after that. I thought it was going to be based on obviously us having some good results come our way. Um, could us get get us back in? Because you know, I went to the United game with not a lot of confidence. I didn't think we'd beat United because of our record there. Um, and also the fact that you know I felt that like we couldn't finish our dinner, so um, so obviously I, I was excited. Obviously when you know when Arsenal beat Chelsea, we beat United. That's when I felt that that was like the turning point that we could then go on and actually do this because I thought that you know we could definitely beat Burnley, West Brom, Palace, um, and I thought the final few games for Leicester and Chelsea were going to be quite difficult. Um, so that's, I saw that you know they could drop points in those. Um, so yeah, so I think yeah, there was a point where I did feel we weren't going to do it, but then the main night game kind of was a turning point for me. Um, and now I feel like over the moon because like you know, not only did we get you know top four, we finished third. You know, we finished above Chelsea, who everyone was raving, all the media was loving them when Tuchel joined them. Um, we finished five points off United, who are having their best season ever. You know. We conceded less goals than Man United. We only conceded about six goals less than Chelsea, ten off Man City, but we had our, you know, our three best centre backs out for most of the season. Two of them out for the whole season, more or less the whole season. So you know, you know, our season hasn't been as bad as people make out. Um, when they they call, you know, they're trying, you know, people are trying to say it's been the worst tight defence ever, which is not true. You know, Man United, Chelsea. Arsenal have all had worse tight defences than Liverpool um, in the past. So, you know, I feel ecstatic. You know, we've got we've got Champions League football. There's going to be we've got we've got 58 million that's coming in coming for the Champions League, um, and now it you know allows Klopp and the club to really build on this. You know, to really go into the summer and attract 
top players because we've got Champions League football, really improve the club and, you know, start taking us to the next level. So, you know, this feels exciting, you know, and it feels a point where we can get everyone back in the summer. Van Dijk's not going Euros, you know, um, I don't, Gomez wouldn't go either. You know, Trent's not going to go. So we, we can have like a pool of players just, you know, getting healthy around the club, getting a rest, then we go again next year. You know, because I, I firmly believe if we had our best team all season, Man City don't win the league title. Or we pushed them closer than we than we, we would have done, um, than, we, than how we finished now. And we would have been miles clear of Chelsea United. So I think it's exciting that we've got top four and I'm looking forward to seeing what we do now in the transfer window um, and seeing FSG finally not really support Klopp in getting the players he wants because we're going to have to spend this summer to compete with City and Chelsea who are going to spend loads of money. So, um, yes, I think it's, I'm excited and, you know, I'm just loving the fact that, you know, we finished third and Everton didn't even get Europe. You know, so, you know, <laughs> top of the moon. Everton, Everton. Um, I posted something earlier. Um, the league table um, after 28 games, Liverpool have played 28 games. Uh, we had, I believe it was 43 points. We were three points behind Everton and they had their famous game in hand. They were sixth, we were eighth. Um, the turnaround, the turnaround is remarkable. It's, it mean, the eight... Uh, wins and two draws. You know that. You all know that. You saw the matches just as I did. Um, but uh, Abdul, it's um, it's even more remarkable. I mean, you know, there's that famous meme from a few years ago when when we had the you know the sort of Lada um, car or the you know the Skoda at the back, and then the middle was like a sort of middle of the range Rover, and then the front. Uh, of the car was a Lamborghini or something like that. And you could see that this season has gone from, you know, Lamborghini in the back to, you know, like a sort of Tonka toy, uh, you know, Lego car in the middle and then Lamborghini in the front, Abdul. Um, um, it's been in three parts, but what's, what's remarkable about it is that, you know, we had those two uh, rookies at the back, Nat Phillips and Reese Williams. They both... You know, bled for the cause yesterday, and uh, they were both absolutely terrific. How do you feel about? You know, are, are you as excited as as Holmes and I am, Abdul, about finishing third? And how unlikely did it feel to you before yesterday? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember being on one of these pods a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was after Newcastle or Leeds, or maybe I wasn't on. But I just felt completely dejected after those two results especially the manner in which we surrendered the the wins in those matches in the very last few minutes when we needed to be resilient we just lost it and we ended up drawing and after the Newcastle game I thought that was it it was completely over no chance that we could uh you know claw it back I was even thinking about oh we should try and aim for eighth so that we don't have to go into conference league and then to pull it out of the bag the way that we've done it's uh We've basically turned uh, what was looking like a very sad and dejected season into something that's actually quite a triumph. Um, people have talked about, you know, Klopp saying, "Oh, maybe it's one of my best achievements to make top four with this in this season." And yeah, that's the way it feels right now. Completely feel over the moon um, seeing the third place. I still can't believe it. Not even fourth place, third place. Like, just really. It feels like an actual massive win rather than just, oh, we managed to scrape into it, you know. So, 
some massive, massive positive mood around the club. We did some nice things with Wijnaldum as well on Sunday and Graham Carter, the linesman who was leaving. Sorry, the kit man who was leaving. Um, we, you know, had Nat and Reese put in some big performances and really, like you said, bleed for the cause. So all in all, we, we had the whole kind of uh, Liverpool narrative storylines, just so many of them coming very, very nicely together yesterday. And yeah, it's just a lovely day with the fans back. Lovely win for Mane as well. Got two goals back in the top four. We don't have to think about, oh, can we afford him back? Would he even come to us? All these kind of things. So, yeah, it's just positive vibes around the club again. And that's exactly what we needed to go into the next um, preseason period and the Euros. Yeah, great answer. Absolutely terrific. Um, Jurgen Klopp said, it's big. It's big. If someone had told me weeks ago, five, six, eight, ten weeks ago, that we would finish the season in third, that was absolutely out of reach and felt impossible. From nowhere to the Champions League in five weeks is a massive achievement. That's what Jurgen Klopp said. And our manager, Liam, um, so much praise has got to be, to be you know, heaped upon him uh, yet again. Uh, because... Even, I mean, had we finished fifth with all the extenuating circumstances, I was thinking before kickoff, you know, because in every match there's a chance you lose. I gave Palace a 17% chance of winning the match yesterday. But in reality, I mean, we absolutely uh, controlled it and dominated from the moment Sadio Mane scored. Uh, but uh, there were some dodgy moments, in, in when, especially when Townsend went through. But anyway, we can get on to all that stuff. The manager, Liam, the manager, Jurgen Klopp, all of the positivity, everything, this this mentality that he's instilled in everybody um, is absolutely beautiful. And long may he reign over us. Yeah, I mean, I think when he came in, it was that the, the tagline was change the club from doubters to believers. And I think there will have been a, been a time this season where I'm sure not just us as fans and, you know, people associated with the club, but even the players will have doubted that to get Champions League football would have been a massive doubt, let's be honest, as you say. I, I, remember, uh, I remember looking on Twitter about seven or eight weeks ago when everyone were in disarray we were all we're all down thinking we got we could even be playing Europa Conference League this this coming year and think well what what's that going to be like but obviously looking at now seven or eight weeks later the world's a different place things are opening up again fans are back in Anfield and Liverpool are back in the top four not even the top four the top three which again like yourself and everyone else has said I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have expected that we would have been able to finish third with the great seasons that um, Chelsea and Man United and Leicester have all been having. Yet we've been the worst, the worst title um, defense ever, in the words of um, Roy Keane. But yeah, I think finishing third, comparing to when Chelsea finished tenth, is um, is a big contrast to that. But yeah, away from that, Klopp's got to be given all the credit. He he brought the um, he brought the change to the club, obviously. We've had some good managers. I mean, people have been questioning Rodgers again. He's spending the most time in the top four out of all teams and then not getting it is, um, is, is maybe a mentality question and maybe he could have asked the same thing when he was at Liverpool. But Klopp, Klopp knows how to get his team to back him and believe in him. He, he's given 
He's given trust in players like Reese Williams and Nat Phillips who weren't expected to be called upon, but everything that's been possible wouldn't have been possible without him. I think if he stuck, I don't know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or maybe even, well, say Rodgers or Arteta with this um, Liverpool side, we've been, we'd be a, lot, be a lot further down the table, so... He's the difference maker, one hundred percent, and he he knows he knows what he's doing, and to to get us third is a massive achievement. I think all the credit goes to club for that. Yeah, marvelous stuff, marvelous, marvelous answer, absolutely. Um, Jurgen is a, he, he's a dream, isn't he? And and you mentioned the the shout of the worst champions ever. We ended up seventeen points behind the title winners, and uh, I do believe last season. Um, even last season, Man City finished 18 points behind us. So, you know, the worst ever title champions since last season. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, defending champions. I mean, uh, you know, Roy Keane is just one of these people who just says what he wants. He says what he feels. There's very, very little substance to it. And it's him him and Genev and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the pundits, not just the ex-Man United ones, of course. Uh, you know, it seems to be the standard for, you know, Garth Crooks and things like that. They have no data to back them up. They have nothing to back up what they're saying. So consequently, they're just opinions. You can take them or leave them. You may as well ask someone down the pub. But when you look at stats, when you start to look at stats, and we're going to go into a little bit about the the 2021 Liverpool season now, um, you can see a lot of things become clear. Um, I've got stats from fbref.com, my favourite stats bomb uh, site, you know, where um, they've got all of the minutes played this season. And uh, at the top of the list, having played 50 matches of our 53 in total this season, uh, 50 matches played, 48 starts, 4,347 minutes is Andrew Robertson. And the next on the list with 4,199 minutes is Mohamed Salah. And third on the list with 3,913 minutes is Jorginho Wijnaldum. Uh, now, these three are our top three minute makers. And then if you go down the list, you can see all the way down to, uh, you know, uh, in case you were wondering, Virgil van Dijk, only 600 minutes in comparison. Joel Matip, 865 minutes. Joe Gomez, 1,010 minutes. And if you think about it, it's 95 minutes per match. So that's just 10, uh, sorry, not even well, just over 10 games, not even 11 games for Joe Gomez all season in all competitions. It's astounding to finish third. And my question to you, I mean, you mentioned Chelsea, um, who finished just one point above their total last season, uh, having spent 220 million, was it? And you mentioned Manchester United before, Holmes. And uh, I was on the Manchester United forum today, um, and there was a quite a funny thread where they had to give... Um, you know, grades A plus being the best and F being the worst for for each team's season. And they put their season, a lot of their fans put their fee- season at around about a B, a B minus, a B plus, a B was the grade that their fans gave them, Holmes. And they put uh, Liverpool as, as a B, C or D. 
most of them were C's or D's. But I would reverse that, Wahome, and I think Liverpool are well and truly in Manchester United's heads, as they are in ours. Of course they are, because we're, we're rivals. But I think that there is a solid argument to say that, as you mentioned before, Holmes, they conceded more goals than us. But more than that, there's there's momentum. I don't think they'll ever win anything with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I just wonder what, what your opinion is on all of our rivals, all of them, including the ones who believe that they're serious rivals, like City and Chelsea, who we may not take too seriously. But all of the competing teams for the Premier League, they're all going to be looking at Liverpool now, Holmes, and they're going to be, you know, petrified. Liverpool top of the form table for the last 10 games. Next season, we're going to strengthen with Kanate. This this is coming through now that he's he's, he's probably going to sign. And uh, Holmes, it, it's so positive for us. And our, our rivals have got to be scared of us now. I think they should be. But, you know, I'm still seeing, obviously, certain media people are still saying that Chelsea or United are City's main rivals next season. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think they are, a lot of people understand, you know, how good our achievement is. You know, we've had, I think I saw uh, a tweet. We've had like 28 different, 27 different centre back partnerships. We've had to play midfielders at centre backs at times. We've, we played a what 20 year old, that's really was playing in for Kilmanston, Kill, Kilmanston, kind of the team name of the team last season. You know, Nat Fitz was alone in Stuttgart. Um, and you know, and we've, you know, we've got an, an amazing run towards the end of the season in terms of form. Um, you know, and you know, we've we've accumulated more more points in the final ten games than Man City. So, you know, I think when we get our players back that we've had out injured, um, Van Dijk back, Gomez back, even even coming Henderson back, like. You know, we, we saw how good Thiago's been playing the last, you know, the last couple of games, you know, and he's come to the element. But just imagine when Henderson's back, how good even better Thiago's going to be where, when he, he has he doesn't have to do as much defending as he still has to do now. And he just focuses on winning the ball high up the pitch. He's going to take his game to another level next season. We haven't even seen the best of Thiago properly. Um, and obviously, you know, bringing someone like Canate, he's a phenomenal centre-back. You know, he's he's a beast in the air. You know, he's going to make us, you know, him for Dyke at centre-back is going to be, like, imperious at set-pieces, you know, whether it's defending or, or uh, you know, scoring goals on the, you know, in the opposition half. You know, and also, you know, the fact that he can play also as a right centre-back, you don't you want to do, you don't want him to do that as a right winger, sorry, right, right centre-back, right back. But, you got the option of going to back three if you ever want it in the game, or you can he can play in the two, you know. So it gives us a whole different dimension, and you know, and that's obviously just the first of signings. There's going to be much more other signings going to come in because obviously, you know, there's still areas that we need to improve. You know, obviously, you know, we badly badly need a striker this summer um, that can finish. Because I think if we had a striker that finished goals for us, we'd be further up the table. You know, because there's so many games where we even this season will be three points away from winning positions or because we just we don't kill off games. You know, and you know, we get a striker in, you get a a quality centre midfielder to replace Wijnaldum. Uh, I'd I'd prefer a more attacking one, but 
you know, we get someone else that's that's good. Um, that's good defense and attack, but just plays the ball much more forward, is much more forward passer. Um, that's going to improve us. So I think like, you know, if Liverpool can get some good signings in, then I think next season we're going to be much, much more of a threat to Man City, you know, and we'll be pushing Man City further like we did, you know, be neck and neck as it was, you know, in 17-18 where we were neck and neck and it was only, you know, a VAR decision of a, of, of a goal that screwed us over for, you know, from winning that league title. So I think I think we're going to be a massive threat, not only in the Premiership, but also in the Champions League. If we, if we can get the players that you know we need this summer to fix us, you know, take us to the next level. Because you know um, we should have been far, far far further up the table. So I don't see you know, and if if the opposition want to write us off, then let them. But I think we're a much more better team than, than Chelsea, Man, uh, Man United, um, by far. So. Um, and I think we're the only team that can really challenge City, you know. So I think we we just get our signings right this summer. Then regardless of who City buys, even if they buy a striker, we should still be able to push City all the way and neck and neck and still go far in the Champions League. So but I think it's going to take a big push from FSG because it's going to come down to them to, for them to show that they really want to compete with the City for the title. Because unfortunately... We can't go into next season with the four strikers we've got. You know, I'm not. I don't want anyone to be sold. And I don't think anyone will be sold. But we have to get another striker in because we know it's not sustainable over a whole season again for us to go with what we've got now. Um, and we all we all know as well we need another top quality centre midfielder. You know, we need someone else that can chip in goals from midfield because we're too reliant on our strikers. So we can fix those areas. I think next season you know, we're going to come back with a bang, you know, and, and also having, like I said before, having Van Dijk fully, you know, rested the whole summer, Gomez rested the whole summer, Trent rested the whole summer, um, you know, I love what Hende was, but he's he's probably going Euros, but having those players rested the whole summer is going to be huge, you know, you know, because they're going to be chomping at the bits come the start of the season to, you know, to help us, win back the title so I think it's it's only positive you know and, and you know as long as we can do our business in the summer transfer window you know we're going to be a massive threat for not only Man City in the Premiership but also any team in the Champions League I think I think it's, it's a wonderful answer yeah you, you, absolutely totally we it's so exciting we'll see what we do we'll talk about exactly who, what we would all do but that's interesting call to bring in a an attacking midfielder there um that's fine um absolutely yeah we'll talk about all of that in a bit but you did mention the the defense there and the defensive partnerships i've actually got a table from the marvelous andrew beasley in front of me that he posted on twitter we've had 20 different uh center back partnerships my ideal centre-back partnership when both are fit is Van Dijk and Joel Matip and that on the list of 20 defensive partnerships we've had this season is 20th they've they played together a total of 11 minutes which is absolutely crazy so when they when they are back I mean that's unbelievable or if if Konate signs were even stronger there um we've got uh, loads of you know loads of uh Loads and loads and loads of things to talk about. But uh, but Sophie, I think Sophie's joined us. Are, are you there, Sophie? Can you hear? 
Hello. Hello, welcome, welcome to Cop on Podcast. Delighted to, to have you with us. Um, we've had a, a couple of questions in from listeners, and one of them um going to chuck right out to you uh, immediately. You have no time to relax to get... Uh, I'm going to chuck the Nat Phillips question at you, because it's come in from at Roy underscore D78. That's Roy Dullin. He wants a debate over Phillips. He says, should Phillips be sold or given a chance? And Roy reckons... He's, uh, Roy says, for me, he deserves a chance. The money we we could spend on Kabak should be used elsewhere. And I just wonder what your your opinion on, is, on that is. Please, Sophie. Well, for me, it comes down to there's, there's two things. There's what I want and what I think Matt Phillips wants. What I want is I want him to stay. I'd love him to be like fourth choice centre-back, like our backup to, I think he'd be amazing. You know, he'd be stronger with Virgil. He'd be stronger against with Canate. He'd be stronger with Gomez. Like, I trust him. I, he's built up a lot of trust over the season with the fans. He's, he's been there in the clinch moments for us. Um, But he's made it known quite often that he wants first-team football. Please, sorry, do excuse me one second. That's all right. You've got to sort the dog out. That's okay. He's, he's He disagrees. He wants Nat Phillips to be sold. Uh, you know, to Crystal Palace will pay 25 million cash in. That's what the dog's saying. I don't know. Um, it's a, it's a, No, we'll come back to you in a moment, Sophie, on that one. But uh, yeah, what do you think, Liam? Um, sell, you know, while, you know, while the iron is hot with Nat Phillips? Or do you want to see his beautiful bandaged, bruised, bleeding face at the back for Liverpool for many more years? I think there's no argument to say that Phillips has probably been our player of the season, probably for the last quarter of the season. Maybe you can make a shout for Salah as well with the goals he scored. But Phillips has been there for us in the big moments. I'm thinking goal line clearances against Man United. Those sorts of moments as well. Just kind of having to take on the role as senior centre-back as well alongside Reese Williams, despite the fact he's never actually played in the Premier League for an extensive period before this season, shows his maturity. The one thing I would say about Phillips is, is whether we're going to sacrifice the, the starting trio. I think you could see Matip leave in the summer based on his fitness issues. That wouldn't surprise me. I think Canate is likely to come in. I think it's been reported. It's gone quiet a little bit, but I think it were always going to be something that happened at the end of the season before we actually triggered the release clause with Leipzig having cup finals and Champions League, etc. to secure. But I think... Do you... If, if you're Nat Phillips, do you want to sit on the bench for... 75% of the season and play 10-15 games across the season as fourth choice centre-back or do you really want to kick on while you're I don't know, probably in the form of his life, which I think we'd all agree that's probably the case. I'd saw a little bit of him in Stuttgart, but I can't say I'd saw lots of him. I think I watched him in one game. So I'd say I'd be happy for him to stay, but I'd say if you get an offer between 20 and 25 million, like you've said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to selling him for his benefit and the fact that it could potentially be reinvested into the squad and that Kabak's not a bad option for 18 million and it's likely that Kanate comes in for around 34 million. So 
I'm I'm rather indifferent on the situation. I like Phillips. I think he's a good player and he's still got developing to do. He's developed well so far. It's just whether for him and the club do they do they feel it's best to part ways now, or really trusting his development and maybe we see him play regular minutes next season. But I think it's more likely that he either stays as fourth choice. Or you you maybe see a, a mid table Premier League side coming with a decent offer and you um you sell it you sell him while the um, the stock is high kind of sir. Yeah, I do apologise yeah. about that. By the way, guys, so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Is your dog okay? Have you have you have you fed him? It's because I've just come in through the house and his dad let him downstairs and he's just gone all excited and he's just started barking at me. Um, but he's gone now, so I do apologise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just coming back at the end of those comments then, and I completely agree with what's been said about Nat Phillips. Like, he's been there in you know the clutch of the moment. Like, he's been absolutely fantastic for us. But as was just said, does he want to sit on the bench? Because he is arguably in, as again, as has just been said, in the best form of his life. He's a fantastic defender, and he's still very young. He's, I dare say it, he plays a very similar style to defence that Virgil plays. And if he hones those skills, he can be a wonderful defender. I'm not saying he can be Virgil levels, but I'm saying he's a wonderful defender. Personally, I would like to keep him at the club. I think, like I said before, he would be amazing next to... We'd work on next to Virgil, he'd work next to Matip, if we kept Matip, Gomez and Canate. Because Fabrizio Romano just tweeted out before the here we go is coming. Personal terms have been agreed with Canate. He's triggered his release clause, he's coming. Um... But I just, I don't think Nat Phillip wants to stay as a, you know, a backup centre-back. I think this season has shown him, like, he's got a taste of what first-choice football feels like, and I don't think he'll want to let that go. And I do believe that as fans, we kind of need to take into account what these players want for themselves. It's all well and good us sitting here and saying that we want to keep, we want to keep Nat Phillips. He's fantastic. He's brilliant. He's this, he's that, he's that. But at the end of the day, if that player wants first-team football, he's never going to get ahead of Virgil and Canate and at Gomez, is he? You know, he's only going to be played in the cup games. He's going to be played in, you know, dead rubber games. And he's going to be played, you know, maybe on rotation. Or if an injury crisis occurs again, is he going to take that risk and to waste his, his form sitting on a bench? It's a great, it's a great question because he he will have to weigh that up, and uh, I think you you know you're both exactly right. I mean, it's it's sort of up to him to make the decision. He's he's earned that right, hasn't he? But um, you know, because if if you know, lots of people say he'd be a perfect fit for Burnley, etc. Uh, but uh, you know, Burnley will will get nowhere near the Champions League, and he's got the Champions League uh, to 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 wrestle with quite literally. Because uh, he's big Nat Phillips and he wrestles uh, all the time, uh, even at half time. He wrestles the guy who hands out the, uh, the the oranges and stuff like that, headbutts the stu- stewards and things like that, just to just to keep it, keep his adrenaline pumping. Um, uh, yeah, but it's, it, it, it would be up to him to decide if he wants to, you know, take a chance on there being another injury crisis. Because you said Canate, <laughs> I mean that's very exciting. If he's on the plane, I want the plane tracker. I want them, uh, you know, following that uh, Mercedes van down the motorway. I want to, uh, I want. Cameras, you know, security cameras set up at Blackpool Tower. I want everything, all, all the searchlights out for 
for Konate because that would be very exciting. But he is injury prone. Virgil, there's no, you know, many people have uh, after a long injury, they have a, at least one setback. Uh, same with Joe Gomez then. It's the same with Matip then. So, you know, he could have, he very well have a chance. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what Nat decides. I think it's very sensible from both of you there. Um, Abdul, moving into the midfield, the great Andrew Beasley, who's just been on top form all season. He's been the sort of, you know, the sort of Mo Salah of uh, LFC Twitter, always on fire. Um, he, he, Fabinho and Thiago in midfield, 1-8, drawn 1, lost 0. Uh, and those games were Everton 2-2, two, two, uh, which we should have won. Uh, but for a linesman's call, uh, Leipzig 2-0, Wolves 1-0, Arsenal 3-0, Southampton 2-0, Man United 4-2, West Brom 2-1, Burnley 3-0 and latterly Crystal Palace 2-0. So they started in midfield together. In nine matches, we won eight of them. We kept uh, six clean sheets. Um, absolutely phenomenal and, and seeing there's a triumvirate that we should bring in Abdullah and that's uh, Trent as well and seeing those three uh, passing wonders link up is, is, is pure joy isn't it so Fabinho to stay in midfield Thiago next to him Henderson's got his injury problems who would you choose as a third midfielder uh, now that Genie's sadly going would you go for someone defensive to mop up uh, any mistakes and to cover behind Thiago or would you go like uh, Holmes was saying someone more attacking to you know really just go hell for leather in matches which would be beautiful to watch as well what do you reckon Abdul? I think that's a beautiful question and I think that goes pretty much to the heart of what all of us don't really know um, that's going to happen and it also links back to the centre-back situation as well and everything like this Liverpool team it's the culmination of I don't know a number of years of Klopp building his team bit by bit, got Virgil in, got Salah in, got Mane in. And even though it's been, it's taken nearly five years to build this team up to what it is, there is still more potential to be squeezed out of this team. Um, you know, whether it's finding the right centre-back to go alongside Virgil, whether it's finding the right midfielder to slot in alongside Thiago and Fabinho, and whether it's finding another attacking option to give us another dimension going forward. So there's a lot of, areas where Liverpool can still grow and to link back to what Sophie said about the centre-backs and um, how it's actually it's all well and good in us all of us sitting here and talking about it Um, ultimately it's all all of these situations are going to resolve themselves by the players in the squad making the decision about their future and Klopp has already said this himself Um, in terms of incomings he doesn't really have much of an idea but the club is going to react to whichever player in the squad decides that their time at Liverpool is over. So we've already had one in Wijnaldum going out. Um, but here's another thing that Klopp always says. Um, you can, a, a transfer isn't the only solution. You can also have solutions that are already in the squad. And I very much think, looking at the way that Liverpool's midfield is, there are actually quite a few options already here at the club who could step in and fill in that spot for Wijnaldum. So first and foremost, you have Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's just towards the back end of the season started to show a little bit of that dynamism that we loved from him when he broke through originally. Um, He's put his injury troubles hopefully behind him in that last summer. He's been fully fit for a number of months now. He's just been waiting for game time. He's finally got bits and bits and bits. 
But in the last few performances that he's had, he's really shown a real zip about him. He's shown all of that pace that we all feared that was missing from him. The goal that he scored um, against Burnley, I think. Uh, yeah, we've had so many games I completely forgot. But um, yeah, the goal that he scored recently was, you know, top notch, absolutely blistering strike. And he also showed the skill that he still has in him. So I don't know, people are a bit, before that match, everybody was, like, oh yeah, he's definitely going, he's definitely going to go to a different club. But after that match, it's all like, oh, he's got another chance, he's got another chance. Um, another one that I think has a great chance to do something at this club is Naby Keita. And I know that people are, are starting to throw in the towel on Naby and saying that there's no point of him, you should just cut his losses, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, Klopp was pretty emphatic in the press conference the other week. He says that he still sees Naby Keita's future here at Liverpool. But also the way that he worded that made me think, well, what if Keita doesn't really see his position here at Liverpool anymore? What if Keita wants a fresh start? Which is a complete possibility. That could also happen in the summer as well. He's got some interest from Leicester and Crystal Palace. But if you want to talk about a midfielder who can get forward and affect the final third, I think that your midfield balance of Thiago, Fabinho and Keita is very well balanced. Thiago likes to drop deeper and dictate play from a deeper deeper position. Keita is a very pressing, heavy midfielder. Obviously, people think about his defensive work when he when the ball is going behind him, but when it comes to actually just pressing and the the game intelligence to press onto a player at the right time, I think Keita is second to none in our squad. Um, and going forward, I think he has a special kind of football intelligence that will only benefit our attackers going forward. So I think that could be a really well-balanced midfield. But then aside from Oxlade's dynamism and then Cater's football intelligence, I think you've got to have a look at Curtis Jones as well. I think the season that he's just had, obviously everybody wants their star boy like Mbapp or Foden or, you know, just somebody who, or Sancho, you know, somebody who's making a big impact immediately from the get-go. But Curtis Jones... Um, much like Foden, actually. I don't know why I said him in the last example, but I think Klopp is giving him the right amount of game time at the age, and you're seeing him build a real maturity in his play. In fact, I think he already has the maturity side down. The only thing that we need from Curtis going forward now is more attacking impetus, so we want him to start taking more shots on, because we know that he's got a corker on him. We want him to start taking more players on, doing more dribbles, being more progressive, and Klopp might just say in preseason, well, you know what? I trust you now. Go forward and do what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, I think we already have solutions here for our midfield situation. Um, but, I mean, it just depends on if they decide that they want to leave. Um, if Klopp thinks, OK, yeah, I don't really want to trust on these guys. I do need another big experienced name who can go forward. But um, in, in reply to your specific question about do I think we need an midfielder who's more attacking or more defensive I think that we need a more attacking one um, I think that will open us up a lot more um, but yeah I think we have the solutions here but I wouldn't be surprised if we did go out for somebody like Hussein Moua or um, maybe even a Ryan Gravenberch at Ajax but yeah who knows everything is up to preseason. honestly like I would love to sit here and make projections about what we're going to do apart from Konate but I think that we're going to wait for preseason to see really who comes back fit in terms of the centre-backs, to see which players want to stay or which one of players want to leave. And then after we've added up all the money, then I reckon the club will start making moves towards the end of preseason. But I think for the first few weeks of preseason, we're going to see 
Klopp just really testing out his options here. Okay, um, I'm going to have to, like, I completely understand where Abdul's coming from over the Naby Keita situation. Like, I completely and utterly understand it. But my biggest concern is Naby Keita's in his third season with us right now, and he's played barely anything. We talk about his ability and his attacking forwards and his wonderful it's one, all these wonderful skills and competencies that this player has. But we're basing all these skills and competencies on what he was like in the German league at Leipzig. We're not playing, basing that on what he's been like at Liverpool. If we isolate his career to just his Liverpool career, he's a very injury-prone player. He's been injured this time whilst not being in training and he's done his hamstring in. The man is made of paper, wet paper. And I'm not for one second saying that Naby Keita has not got quality within him. He definitely has. We've seen it. We've seen glimpses of it. But I think the way Liverpool are wanting to play football, heavy metal football, high line, high press, counter-attacking, he doesn't suit that system. If he can't keep his physicality up, all those other wonderful skills of his go to the wayside. They make absolutely no impact whatsoever. And after this season where we've seen injuries absolutely decimate our team and we were very fortunate to get the results at the end of the season that we did get, I would not for one second be pinning my hopes on maybe this player will be fit, maybe this. Because we've seen what can happen if you hope that a player will be fit in time. You know, we saw us go, we thought our players were going to be okay to get us through when Virgil got injured. And then come January, we were scavenging through the transfer market, trying to find somebody at the end of the the, um, the window. We were literally on our knees begging for a centre-back. And nobody listened because they thought they had players there who could play. And that's the same with Mandy Keita. Now we've lost Genie. Genie is a player that has arguably had the strongest availability. I mean, Owen, yesterday on our podcast, Absolutely. you pulled out the stats that out of 53 games, he's played 48 for Liverpool in his entire career. He has played almost 98% of the matches for our team. And now we've lost a player who plays almost all, every single game for us. So for me, we don't need a defensive midfielder because we've got Thiago and we've got Fabinho, we've got Milner, we've got Henderson. We've got those types of players. For me, I completely agree with the homie. We need somebody who's able to take a charge you know, just behind that front three, that link up between that defence and that front three, that clinical finishing. And for me, we need the Marlon or a Noir. Somebody who can create these things, who can link up really well with Thiago. We know Thiago is a ma- he's an absolute master at picking a ball out and finding a pass somewhere in those cross balls. Those long balls are fantastic of his. He reads the game very, very well. He needs somebody he can link up with. We've seen that Thiago needs to cut in to cover back cover Trent on that right-hand side, which is starting to work really well. And we've seen a brilliant spark from Thiago. But I think if you put somebody like Naby Keita in on that left, it's not going to work. He's not going to be there. And if he does work, for whatever reason, say, for example, he does work on that left-hand side and he's brilliant, what happens when he gets injured? That's very true. So, sorry. Let me let me just before we come back to Abdul, let me just give it give it a couple of a couple of facts. We we need to we need to get absolutely clear in our minds here. Just a very quick thing. Um, a really interesting points on both of you. I'm going to go right back to Abdul. Just a moment. I just want to give you the minutes played. So Alex Oxlade Chamberlain this season, um, even though. He has featured in 17 matches, which sounds like a lot. 15 of those were as a sub and he started two games and he actually has only played a total of 299 minutes 
all season. Naby Keita has played 744 minutes and that's nine starts and 16 uh, total matches played. So nine starts, but forget all the starts and the substitute appearances, the minutes is important. So 299 for Oxlade-Chamberlain, 744 for Naby Keita. And if you compare that to Curtis Jones, 1,952 minutes for Curtis Jones and Jorginho van Eldum, who Sophie just mentioned, 3,913 minutes. Um, Abdul, maybe we should just sign about 10 midfielders. Uh, wh- what were you going to say, Abdul? No, um, yeah, a great point. That's actually kind of what I was going to say. I mean, um, this season, I completely understand where everybody's coming from with the injury situations around Cater and around other players as well, like Gomez, like Matip. Um, but all I would say is this season is a bit of a one-off in terms of they had a really weird up and down kind of schedule last year, which led into this season. And then Cater got a bit of COVID. He was overplayed by his Guinea manager. The schedule was really hectic anyways. I feel like if we wanted to make all of our squad decisions based on this season, then yeah, we would have to sign an extra 10 midfielders or an extra 10 centre-backs. But I don't think it's reasonable to plan going into the future like that. And one thing that I think, Klopp said was interesting about Joel Matip when he got injured. Um, He said that he understood that, yeah, people get frustrated with the idea that Matip is always injured. But you also, he told everybody to look back to his Schalke playing days. And he said that back at Schalke, Matip never used to get injured. And you could point the same thing back to Naby Keita. You could argue that over the course of their careers, these last few years where they have had a lot of injuries are anomalies against the grander scheme of it. So I don't think I don't think Klopp or the sports science team at Liverpool are thinking um, in in such a short term kind of way around these players. But yeah, I completely see where Sophie's coming from. It is it is a risk um, to rely on these particular players. But I just think in general, Genie was overplayed this season. I think if there were matches where Klopp could have rested him, he would have rested him. So I feel like uh, his his uh, minutes this season have been inflated. And I feel like the other players in our squad, I've said it before, but I don't think Klopp rotates his squad well enough. I think he keeps a lot of players out in the cold for a long time when he should be giving them games here and there to keep them a bit warm so that they can put in a good performance when they get a chance. And I feel like if Klopp does employ a bit more rotation for the squad next season, I feel like he'll be able to utilise Cater and Oxlade and other players going forward. But I completely take on board everything that Sophie's saying. It is a consideration that the manager's going to have to make because at some point you do have to draw a line. Enough is enough. And um, Cater's value is still high. He's still pretty young if his passport is to be believed. I'm allowed to make that joke because I'm African. But um, (laughs) yeah, uh, beyond that, yeah, you do have to draw a line at some point with injuries. But I think, I think, fingers fingers crossed for me because I love them both. I think Joel Matip and Naby Cater will see out this summer as Liverpool players and hopefully be Liverpool players next season as well. No, I was just going to say this um, to, to weigh in. Like, it's navigated it's fourth season now. We're still talking about his fitness. Like, I think there's a time, time's a point where you just have to say, okay, it's not worked out. He can't, he's not suited to English football, but suited to our training methods. So, you know, I, I think this summer we have to, one thing I've, I would say is that we have to be more ruthless. 
um, you know, one of the good things that Ferguson used to do was when a player wasn't working out, he got rid of them. And one thing, I, you know, that ends up happening at Liverpool is we hold on to players too long. We hold on for Lallana too long. We should have got rid of him ages ago. We hold on for Moriena for too long. You know, instead of just saying, look, these players aren't good enough, just get rid of them. So I think, I think this summer, one of the biggest jobs that Michael Edwards has, which he didn't do well last summer, was selling our deadwood. You know, we're selling players that just don't offer anything. Like, you know, there's a, you know, there's that, there's that saying, like, availability is, you know, is the best ability. You know, if you're not fit on the pitch, it doesn't matter how good you are in terms of your ability. If you're never fit to play the game, you know, then what's the, who cares how good you are? You know, like, look at Naby and Ox. Yes, you know, they've shown good, Kate's shown he's a good player at Leipzig. Ox has shown he's a good player for Liverpool, but they're never available. You know, how long can we keep relying on players that are injured 90% of the time? You know, or the manager doesn't trust them. The reason why Ox hasn't played previously to the Burnley game was because Klopp didn't trust him. So if the manager doesn't fully trust him, why keep a player you don't fully trust? Now, I don't think we're going to be able to get rid of both of them this summer, but I think one of them has to go this summer. You know, and I think we also have to get rid of Shaq needs to be gone, Origi needs to be gone, Harry Wilson needs to be gone. And Marco Grudge, these all these players need. There shouldn't be a Liverpool players come the come the start of next season, you know, because you know we, our model is, unfortunately, as it always has been, is we we have to sell players before we buy, you know. So we couldn't buy a centre back last summer because we couldn't get fees for Harry Wilson, Marco Grudge, and we kept on to them instead of accepting the the fees we have to accept. You know, we we refused fees of fifty million for them last summer. But we're going to accept that this summer. So, you know, we should have got rid of them last summer, but I don't know, don't, I don't understand why we thought the stock was going to grow higher this summer, which, which is not going to. So, you know, we're going to, I think that's the biggest thing for Edwards this summer, is like he has to get rid of these players who, who don't offer the club anything. That's interesting stuff, Wahomi. Sorry to, sorry to, to, to butt in that. It's very, very important that, that uh, you know, we look at, we look at the facts here. Um, Nabi Keita, I've just totted up um, the last three seasons um, and if you t- tally it up in all competitions, he's played 3,400 minutes in three seasons for Liverpool. So that's uh, that's not the greatest. I'm very interested to get to Liam's view on this before we move on from the midfield, because we really can talk about this all night. Um, I'm just going to tell you very quickly what I would do, Liam, before before getting your, your opinion on this, is I totally agree with Holmes there. I think we need to cut our losses with Naby Keita as much as I would love to see him. Uh, you know, Abdul's an optimist and I would love to, you know, to see, uh, um, you know, Naby Keita come good in a, in a Liverpool shirt. But I, I agree, you've got to be a bit ruthless here. But I would, I would, I would, because Thiago is not very good at turning round, that I've mentioned a few times here on Cop On Podcast, he's not very good at turning round and running after the ball, as John Barnes himself said uh, quite recently. He, that's uh, Thiago's big, big weakness, is I would put someone like Bissouma to cover all the spaces behind Thiago. Uh, and, uh, you know, between Thiago and Fabinho, um, we've got enough creativity in midfield, we really do, but where, where we're lacking is a bit of, you know, a bit of extra extra tackling a bit of extra oomph and of course Jeannie Vinaldum the you know sort of you know the incredible engine that we're going to miss I would I would sign you know not one but two defensive minded midfielders and then even Curtis Jones can come in for that creativity James Milner's still going to be around what would you do Liam 
I think I, with everyone else, would prefer a bit more of an attacking mind in midfield. I think with Milner, Fabinho, Henderson, even Thiago to an extent, who's got great tackling numbers, I know we see a bit of a rash side to his game sometimes tackling, which I believe is a little bit of a myth. But I think an attacking mind in midfielder is more my preference. I heard two people mention um, Hussein Awar as someone who's infatuated with Awar and watches him every week. Um, whether he'd fit at Liverpool is another question. I think he's a player who likes to carry the ball forwards. You've got to give him the opportunity to really get forward and influence things. He's in the top 1% of dribbles completed in Europe for midfielders. Uh, progressive carries, top 5%. Touches in attacking penalty area, top 1%. Progressive um, passes, like, receive, like, you know, in attacking areas, again, top 1%. And then you look at his non-penalty XG, top 1%. Shots, top 1%. Non-penalty XG and X assists, top 1%. Shot creating actions, top 2%. All these numbers are among the best in Europe. And as someone who talks about Leon and watches Leon week in, week out, this has been an off-season for our Seven goals in league and three assists. Again, there's been a couple of penalties in there when Memphis hasn't been on the pitch. But our would need the opportunity to do what he does best, and that's getting attacking areas. People say, oh, well, he's a... He's a bit more of a well-rounded midfielder. His, his defensive numbers are left wanting, really. His best part of his game is going forwards. He's played on the left a little bit recently in the last two or three games. Leon have kind of needed someone to pick up the ball and influence things a bit more. And Awar's featured on that area of the pitch. So would... My question before, I don't want to continue this section on really, Owen, sorry to do that, but my interest is what do you guys actually see our bring into the team? Obviously, we need someone that's going to play passes, but he's he's been known for scoring goals from midfield. He, he chips in with assists. Like the, There's a goal this season where there's like tricks and flicks and he drills it in from the edge of the box against... I think it's nonce, my, um, if my memory serves me correctly. Watch that goal if you haven't seen it, which is typical who somehow are. But whether you're going to see that from him at Liverpool, I'm not quite sure. I love him. I'd love to see him at Liverpool. Behind me, there's a signed who somehow are shirt. That tells you how much I love him. But what do you guys actually see him bring into Liverpool that would actually fit into club system? Because from someone who watches him week in, week out, I'm not really sure he would fit well, in. What, what I would say is, you know, we have to remember, Liverpool attracted a wall for the last four years. You know, we wanted him last summer. Melissa Reddy tweeted at the time, actually said on podcast as well, that if it wasn't for COVID, we would have gone for a while last summer. And we wanted him the year before that as well. So this is not like a player that, you know, like we haven't been watching. You know, Liverpool have wanted Houston Mawal for, for years now. So... You know, I think that, you know, and he's also, I think, even um, David Maddock from the Mirror talks about how, like, the analytics team have raved about a while for years now. So, you know, someone watched, they've they watched very much, you know, and but, but also the, the issue was before was the price that Leon always wanted was too high. 
they were they was after like 50 or 60 million because Lewis is you know is such a hard negotiator but it's been reported by the quip El quip the quite reliable French magazine that he's only going to go for 30 million, 30 million euros this summer you know and that's the reason why he's not been playing because a lot it's because they realized he's moved he's leaving the summer you know you know he nearly moved to Arsenal last summer but in terms of what he'd bring to the team like the Walker could play in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-1 formation, you know. And, you know, you, you know, let's remember as well, like, while Ginny, Ginny was a fantastic player, he's great rotation in terms of keeping the ball, but he wasn't great defensively, Ginny. Like, he wasn't great in terms of tackles or interceptions or blocks, you know. So, if you look at Awa, his retention, ball retention is very high. It's, you know, in terms of what, you know, the, the Ginny function in terms of retaining the ball and passing the ball, he's very high for retention and passing the ball, you know, and he is, you know, his defensive stats haven't been great this season, but in previous seasons, he's had good defensive stats, you know. No, so he, he is an all-rounded player. He can do the defensive side if you ask him to, but, you know, because he, he can play on the left side of midfield as well, you know, that side of midfield is quite protected because you're going to have Robbo, Marnie, and that's on the Van Dyke side. So, I feel that you could potentially he could fit nice in the four three three easily, or you could play him in a four two three one and have him as the as a as in the ten role. So you know I, I think like we have to remember that this is a player that Liverpool have tracked for years, and they wouldn't have tracked him for that long if they didn't think he could fit in our team. And I definitely feel that he would hundred percent fit in the team well, and it wouldn't be much of an adjustment. The only adjustment would be adapting to um, English football. But in terms of like his playing style, exactly what we need. He scores goals, he assists. He's an all-rounded player, you know. And he can. He's young enough. So if it's FSG profile, he's only 22 still, and he's got everything in his locker to become a world-class player under the right manager. You know, Klopp, Klopp's raved about this guy for years as well. You know, and he was a natural. He's a natural success. The reason why, as well, like he's a natural successor after Fakir, well, for the fiasco happened. You know, so. I definitely see it, you know, I, for me personally, a while's a no-brainer for 30 million euros, it just makes no sense for the club not to prioritise in the summer. And I, I've heard people talk about Basuma. I don't feel, I don't think, I think Basuma's a good player, but he's very rash in the tackle. He's very, he loses the ball quite a lot. And I don't think he's as good as we can make out to be. You know, and I don't think he's going to offer us what we, what we need going forward. You know, our major issue is the fact that we are over-reliant on the strikers to score goals. If the strikers don't score, no one else scores goals for us, you know. And we're over-reliant as well in, c- in certain games for the strikers to create their own chances. Now, people, I meant, people, some, some mentioned that Thiago. Thiago has never been one ever in his career for getting loads of goals and assists, ever. He's a deep-line play, playmaker that influences the game from deep. He's not a player that you, you play further forward expecting to score goals and assists. And that ain't going to change next season. He's not that player. So we're still going to have a massive issue next season if we, if we did go push Thiago and got a defensive midfielder with the fact that there's no one from midfield that's scoring goals. So in those low block games, like when we played a Newcastle or a Fulham when we drew with Fulham and the strikers had an off day, who's going to score the goals then? And that's what's going to, that's going to impact us. And we've seen with Man City how Gundogan, well, yeah, it took him a while to get in a good form but this season he won them so many games this season with the goals you know there's a, there was a good period for like two months where he was scoring like every, 
like he got over double figures in goals and he won them games that helped them win the league. You know, Liverpool bad need to play like that. That's gonna that's gonna score goals for us in midfield. That means there's less reliance on the strikers to score. You know, every most of the top clubs in Europe have a goal scoring midfielder that scores goals. Well, I'm looking at um, Hussein Mauer's uh, scouting report on FB Ref, and it is, it's out of this world. I mean, Liam mentioned the the, the um, attacking stats. I mean, in the 99th percentile, uh, the top 1%, as Liam said, for NPXG, uh, total shots, um, the 97th percentile is for expected assists, NPXG, non-penalty expected goals, and plus expected assists, 99th percentile. Shot creating act- actions, 98th percentile. He's in the 99th percentile for three more things. Dribbles, touches in the attacking penalty box, and progressive passes received. So he's, compared to other midfielders, he's he, they're absolutely insane. But the defensive ones that Liam wasn't talking about were the fact that he's only made three tackles all season. And if you compare that to Thiago, who's made uh, 95 tackles all season, that's uh, obviously quite woeful. But then uh, Gini Vijnaldum, apparently, according to FBref.com, has only made four tackles all season. So defensive stats, Gini Vijnaldum, I'm looking at them here. He's in the 12th percentile, the 4th percentile, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th and the 43rd. So basically really, really bad uh, statistically on, on what they count on stats bomb. But uh, Hussein Awa is even worse. Um, he's absolutely abominable. But then these, you cannot, I want to, I want to stress that you can't you have to discount these defensive stats. But going forward, um, you know, Thiago Alcantara, as Holmes rightly says, he's not an attacking uh, midfielder at all. But, um, you know, he's, 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 he's good, you know, in terms of uh, progressive passes and progressive carries. He's up there with the very best in the world and passes attempted, all that stuff. But Hussein Awa, I mean, he's, he, I mean, you could see why the analytics... People are going crazy about him. But as I said, we can talk about this all night. I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to move on. Um, Sophie, um, what's really important that I haven't heard anyone really go into is 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 the money side of things. Now, according to uh, Abdul, uh, you know, at, um, watch underscore LFC, Abdul's uh, friends, Abdul's uh, one of those... Uh, people who, who who are involved with Watch LFC, Watch underscore LFC, everyone check that out. Uh, Sophie, the, the money spent, um, sorry, the money that we gained for finishing in the Champions League, 58 million for finishing Champions League places, plus 34 million for finishing third. So that game was utterly nuts, Sophie. And it's easy to downplay it. It's easy to not bother thinking about it as a fan. But that extra money is, you know, first of all, tell me about, you know, how important you think it is. And secondly, uh, you know, would you would you spend it, you know, would you spend a lot of it on, on an attacking player like Sancho or Mbappe, someone crazy like that, or Pats and Daka? I don't know. Talk to me about the money and an attacking player, please, Sophie. Look, I think you can look at that money and to us as normal people, you look at 53 million, 30 odd million and go, oh my good God, your eyes start washing the sheer thought of how much money. Like, I could never spend that much money myself. But in the footballing world, that money is barely a player. And let's think of it. In an ideal world, that money would be used on a player. That would get us a wire, that would get us Marlon, that would 
get us Sancho. In an ideal world, that's what we'd use it for. But we've looked at this season in retrospect. This season has absolutely decimated clubs. This has absolutely taken a massive financial burden on them. Clubs have had to put their own money in to keep it going. They've had no revenue from tickets. They've had no match day stuff. They, and even retail has suffered this year over the last you know, 18 months with everything that's happened. And I think business-wise, it just doesn't make sense for me to spend all that money on a player. Liverpool will have their transfer budget. I imagine some of that money will probably move into the transfer budget, but we're doing an expansion on Anfield Road. We also need to recoup. We are 120 million in deficit as a result of what's happened with COVID. That money doesn't grow on trees and it's not going to magically appear overnight. If the club need to use that money from qualifying for Champions League to funnel it back into the club to get back in the black, then I am all for that. I don't mind if the club don't use that money for a player because I'd rather not get a player than ever have that money. And I've seen Mohamed there is just put in like Red Bear Capital cleared the debt. That doesn't mean we still don't have bills. That doesn't mean we still don't have debts elsewhere. Yeah. Running a football club is a multi-million, if not multi-billion pound you know, corporation. It costs a lot of money. And there's more that goes on behind the scenes than just buying players and selling players and Liverpool have never ever been a club that has used that money in the, my entire life of supporting Liverpool. I have never seen a Liverpool owner or a manager whatsoever spend winnings, all of it, on the on a player. That's not what we do. That's not how we do business. We get smart business. We go and buy players you know, five million up front, the rest in instalments, ten million up front. We trigger release clauses. We do it smart. Because I feel like if you are going to go and get take all that money and blow it on a player, and then you blow the next load of money on a player, and the next load of money on a player, and so on and so on and so on, where does it end? You end up Manchester United. Exactly. You end up like Barcelona. Millions of pounds in debt. Absolutely ruining your own club from the inside out. That money is not there necessarily for a player. That money is there as a reward for the club. And it costs the club a lot of money to get there. We've had to think of all the fees we've had to pay for physio. Think of all the fees we've had to pay for rehab, for treatment at the hospitals, operations, all these bills we've had to pay. The club, the money's got to come from somewhere. And I think you've got to, there's a certain point where you've got to look at this. Take your emotions out of it as a fan and look at it as an adult. If somebody said to me, right, Sophie, you've got an extra £5,000 bonus on your wages for the year, and I'd be going, oh, I'll get this extension done, I'll do this, I'll do that. Yeah, it's brilliant thinking of all the things you do, but when reality hits, is that something that's going to be viable? Are you going to need that money for something else? Is there something more important that goes on behind the scenes? And as fans, we can sit here and say buy those players, but we don't know what goes on behind closed doors in that business meeting. And I wouldn't be surprised if that money doesn't get used on a player, and it wouldn't bother me either. I think the club needs to reevaluate what's happened over the last 18 months and fix the deficits where they may be. Yeah, I, in general, I definitely agree with what Sophie's saying. I feel like as fans, and apologies as well, because you're coming off a tweet that I posted on my account. But um, I think as fans, we tend to oversimplify the economics of running a football club to just little numbers like, oh, 92 million. And yeah, um, you could definitely say, yeah, we're going to win 92 million from our 
league position finish and qualify for the Champions League. But like Sophie says, uh, running a football club, you have to take a lot more considerations than just, oh, we can put this 92 million. Firstly, they might not even get the 92 million straight up front. They might get it over like a period of years or it might be like in different types of assets, et cetera, et cetera. But um, running a football club in general is so much more complex and she was talking about like um, the way you trigger release courses or you go in installments. We're all, as Liverpool fans, we, we tend to get driven a lot by the narrative of what's actually been written by journalists in real time on the internet when they're describing a move. And we tend to think that we're really special. For example, with the Diogo Jota move last, se- last season, it was like, oh, we're only going to do this much up front. And with the Konate thing, we're all talking about, oh, how much installments. Most transfers actually happen through installments. I doubt there's any single transfer that happens that a club just pays it all up front in one go. Um, so running a football club and the job that Michael Edwards and Billy Hogan have to do is it's always a calculated gamble on what you think is the best thing to do in a certain situations. And the other thing that people don't ever really realize is that wages cost a lot more than just the headline transfer fee. So we might have to take into consideration, like last year, I think our wages were really high, actually. I think we were second highest in the league. So that was obviously because of our bonus that we earned from winning the Premier League. But we have to take all of these things into consideration, basically. Any kind of big windfall, especially after the whole COVID thing, we do have to take it all into consideration and decide, okay, should we pick a we need a calculated gamble on Konate, cool, we'll do that. We've got the plans for that. Oh, we need to, you know, possibly hire more physios for this coming season. Cool, we can make that investment there. So, yeah, it's it's not as simple as um, just a headline figure and, oh, we can spend that all on one player. But saying that, um, talking about the whole Redbird capital and everything, yeah, it's not necessarily going to go straight into Liverpool um, for transfers, but we're definitely not in as bad a situation as we would have been if we weren't in a top four and if we um, didn't have, uh, if we uh, didn't qualify for top four and, yeah, if we didn't have the Redbird capital come in. So, yeah, we're, we're in a very comfortable situation going forward. So hopefully our brilliant, esteemed business minds at LFC can make some good decisions with that money. It's a lovely answer. It's a really nice answer. And it leads, um, you know, thank you to both of you there. Um, it leads very nicely into a question we've got from a regular listener, Dede. Hello, Dede. And he asks, you know, what's a realistic transfer this summer, transfer policy this summer? Do we go big or do we resort to our usual find a diamond in the rough policy? And uh, there are there are arguments. Uh, Liam, I'm going to ask you about this. Uh, not not what you think we will do, but what would you do? Because because there is, a, you know, there, there's a very, very decent argument to say that, uh, you know, for, let's say, 200 million or 180 million uh, that Mbappe would cost, you could buy Pats and Dacca, you could even buy Jaden Sancho and one more. And, uh, you know, if, if ours got a release clause for 30 million, and surely those three players would make much, much more sense. Uh, but then you've got uh, all of those three players' wages. Uh, will that be as much as, as, as one player's wages? I don't know. And then you've got to factor in things like shirt sales and what it does for the profile of the club and signing someone like Mbappe. I mean, it would go absolutely through the roof. We'd make hundreds of millions from that. 
personally, although it's a complete dream, and we don't know if he's, uh, you know, if he's even keen to come to Liverpool, uh, you know, I would, I would go, you know, I would, uh, I was going to say something vulgar, but I won't. I would, I would be, I would go uh, very confidently for Mbappe. Uh, what would you do, Liam? I think it's been mentioned that. The club are very wise with the transfer business. We always used to hear bad things about the, in air quotations, transfer committee at Liverpool. But I think ever since Klopp came in and Edwards came in, the um, the signings have, um, have have got a very good success rate and they've done that well. But operating on a tight budget at times, but they've when there's a an evident an evident need for something, they've shown that the they're willing to loosen the purse strings a little bit, as we've seen with Van Dijk and Allison. although that was funded with the Coutinho money. But in terms of signing players, I think I think signing a, a forward is necessary, whether we go for Mbappe, who may be available next summer on a free transfer, just to put out there, he's yet to agree a contract with PSG and he's down to his last year now. So again, maybe maybe we maybe we just sit and wait on that one and see if anything happens. Who knows? But I think you maybe go for a more of a younger striker. You've named Pats and Daka there. Malone's a good option as well. Um, even someone like Terra Murphy in Liga or someone like a Bull Idea, someone who needs a bit of developing but would be happy to maybe play that sort of a Rigi goal, but would probably have a bit more of a step up and an impact from the bench because I think when you look at our front four, unless we do sell one, which I don't think we will, is it's going to be really difficult to dislodge one of those players. So I think whoever you sign in the forward line, unless it is a real superstar like Mbappe, Haaland or Kane, they're going to be they're going to be used to really sitting back and taking a backseat role to begin with and then they'll develop into the club and then obviously you've got them for the future. In terms of the midfield, I think I think they'll a keep report of Awa for thirty million is um is probably a bit shy of the mark to be honest. I know uh, Jean Michel Olas, the Leon president, is um he's very outspoken in terms of transfer fees and with some of the fees that have gone in recent years, I know there's the media fiasco and unfortunately Leon have just missed out on Champions League after losing to Nice so that it's Europa League for them next season but again Dombele has gone for 60 million Furlong Mendy's gone for 40 million that he's not he's not the sort of someone who's just going to accept an extra 10 million pound less because he needs the money I think Kawar would be much more valuable to Leon than it would be for 30 million euros. So I think you're going to have to pay a little bit more than that for him, but even still for 35 million euros, for 40 million euros, he's still an excellent player and would make sense. I'd, I'd like to see him at the club, I must admit. He's probably one of my favourite players outside of Liverpool. So with my uh, with my heart speaking there, I'd go for Hussein Mawar. And then defensively, I think we know what's going to happen. I think Canate comes in. I think we maybe... Um, Maybe there's a decision to make around goalkeepers. Obviously, Adrian's leaving. Does um, does Kelleher want to go out on loan and get some more experience, or is he happy to stay on the bench? So I think three signings is likely. I think you'll see a young striker come in, someone like a Dakar or a Marlon, for a, a reasonable modest fee between 20 and 30 million. Someone like Awar or Neuhaus in midfield. And then... Again, probably Canate has been confirmed. Really, it's, I think 
what about an hour ago before we started recording. Um, Fabrizio Romano said that it's a done deal, really. The the iconic here we go is ready. So yeah, as I say, Awa. I think someone's just put in the chat there for people like listening that Awa does have a thirty million pound uh, valuation. Again, Lekeep may be reliable, but to counter that, if you know Jean Michel Olas, you know that he's not going to take thirty million pound for Awa unless finances are really scarce. And there's there's been a drop in revenues for Leon this year, a rather massive one with. Again, the media pro fiasco and, again, the the impact of COVID and no fans in stadiums in France. But Awar is, now that Memphis has left, he is the, um, he's the, he's the superstar at Lyon, so to say. So, I think 30 million is a little bit short. And I think, again, as someone who has an interest in Lyon as a shareholder, I'd be very disappointed to see him leave for 30 million. And knowing how Olas, as well as... I do after following the club for quite a long time. I think thirty million is a very a very small fee for a player of Alwar's quality. So again, if he is available for thirty million, do it. It's a bargain. Hundred percent. But I'd I'd say Alwar Kanate, Dakar or Marlon would be a good summer for us. I wouldn't expect us to go out and sign an Mbappe or again, I don't think we're in the conversation for Harry Kane, but even still a Harry Kane or a Harlan this summer. My my you know, there's there's there are several sort of bits of mucus and slime in my stomach that sort of uh, shudders when I think about Harry Kane signing for Liverpool. But I mean, he he's a great player, but uh, gosh, I, I don't I don't like the guy. I think he's uh, I think he's overly selfish. I think he's uh, you know he's he's a diver. He's dangerous for, for for opposition defenders. But I think that's it. But nonetheless, he is a wonderful, wonderful player. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I can't imagine that. And he's been uh, talking up Man City. They've been talking him up. It looks like that might be a done deal if they can get it past the uh, you know the, the 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 rock. You know the mountain. Uh, who is uh, you know Tottenham's chairman? But uh, Holmes. Uh, what would you do? You've been you've been very patiently listening to everybody's uh, everybody's ideas. You, you can go big, uh, you can go small, you can keep. I mean, there's a great argument to say that you know our model is not broken, so why bother fixing it? What would you do, Holmes? I just don't look as much as I'd like an Mbappe. I just don't see it. Liverpool don't have the finance for Mbappe. You know, even if he's going, you know, his fee is going to reduce because of his length of contract. We don't have the money, and, and even his wages, he's on like, he's nearly on like 300k at uh, PSG. That that destroy our wage structure, um, and then you have to consider him bonuses. It's not a chance that's ever going to happen, and I, I don't understand why we get, get linked with him. And I think it's just agent talk to generate interest, but he's even though Zidane's leaving, he's going to Madrid this summer, you know, because Madrid have missed out on the Champions League, they missed out on Liga, they have to go big this summer. And Dortmund are going to keep Haaland this summer because Sanchez is going to go. So the only one that Madrid can get that's huge is Mbappe. So that's where he's going this summer. So he will not be... I'll be surprised if he's not Madrid. Madrid don't season. have the finances though, do they? Well, I, they don't. But, you know, they just go to the, the Spanish bank. As, as that's, that's what I heard has been rumoured. They're going to get a loan out to get him. Um, 
but we don't have the finance either for it. There's, you know, it, regardless of it, Chamley football, we don't have the finance for that kind of transfer. Not without selling one of our forwards. And you know, from the sounds of it, none of them are going this summer. Um, would I, in terms of what I would go for the summer, I think I've, um, I, I, I agree with what was said before that we need a young striker. I, I, I wouldn't like Daka, but I heard he's going to Leipzig because uh, the Salzburg manager went to Leipzig, so. I heard he's close to going to Leipzig, so I think that's out. I'd probably go for Marlin because I do think we need a. He's a very good. He's very good, and he's very creative, as well, and he can play across the front, the forward line. So I'd go for Marlin. Cause I heard his release cost is 40 million euros, so that's not too expensive for what he's what he's done. Um, I would probably go for. I'd, I'd definitely go for a while, um, and I. I would prefer two centre midfielders this summer, but I just don't see us getting two. I think it's only going to be one. Um, you know, and, I, and, and plus, I also felt as well we needed a striker and a, and a wide forward for extra rotation. But I think it's just be one striker, one midfielder, um, a centre back, and then we may look at a backup goalkeeper. Because um, it depends on whether or not we think Keller is good enough. Because Adrian's gone, so we might need another keeper, a bit more experienced one. Um, I also heard that we're looking at um, Keita Bald, because apparently we looked at him last summer, um, but he's apparently he's going to be going for 20 million euros this summer. Um, so Kabak, which looks unlikely to happen, um, because I think Liverpool are also conscious about how heard Kabak is his injury. They think his injury is much more serious than that's been let on. And that's the reason why they are very cautious about making the 80 million. But it's very unlikely now. Um, so I've heard that late, that Keita Bald, who's a very good young centre-back, has been seen as the alternative for the second centre-back. Um, but I think I think those are, you know, I'd, I, would be ha- I would be happy with Kanate, Awa and Marlin as a good spine. And depending on them, then after that in terms of player sales, then if we can get um, another centre back in, I think, um, or another midfielder in, I think that would be what we need as well. Because ideally, I think you need at least at least two centre backs. If you can't get two, then at least two midfielders um, this summer to really ensure that we are fine. Because I personally don't want to see Fabinho at centre back again at all, ever again. Because he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. He's the best DM in Europe. You know. So why, you yeah. know, and, and the stats show that we, you know, we don't win when he's not in midfield. So why put him back at centre-back? I don't want him, I don't want Fabinho being seen as a, a centre-back option. Because we, we only look good when Fabinho went back in midfield. So, you know, and Thiago's record, I think with Fabinho, is they've, they've won every game they've played since they've been partners in together. So, you know, I don't want to see that. So for me, that's why, that's what I would do personally. Um, and then obviously it's just with player sales as well. You know, I want to see Shaq, Origi, Wilson, Gooch to be all gone this summer, permanently, not on loans. Um, and then we can see afterwards. But the money should be there. You know, I know I, I get, I agree what Sophie was saying about it's difficult in terms of running the club and how there could be expenses that we're not privy to. Um, but I do think the Red Bull, what, what we're led to believe what they said was that put us back on an even playing field 
So it cleared out a lot of the COVID debt that had been accumulated. Um, so I don't obviously, well, we don't know the finances overall, but there has to be some money there for us to strengthen because we're going to have to strengthen the summer because, you know, I, I, I feel it's one of the summers that, you know, Man City are going to splash the cash. We know, you know, they're going to get top striker with its Harry Kane. Um, I think they probably will get, I, I think they will get Harry Kane. We know Chelsea are going to go big because they have to, um, because the brand which is not going to accept it. And we know Man United are. So I think it's one of those, it's one of those things that if we don't spend, we'll get left behind. So we have to find some finances somewhere to, you know, and I, th- I, don't, and it's not, I don't think we have to spend an Mbappe or a Sancho. Much I love one of them, too. I don't think we have to spend that much. It's just spending wisely on players that fit you, suit your system and, and, and fix you. And there are players like Marlon Owa who are not too expensive that you can buy to fix us. So, you know, you know, I think I think it's doable. And I think I don't think there's, there should be any reason for FSG not to be able to spend eighty to hundred million when you include player sales this summer to fix the situation. Great answer. Thank you very much, Holmes. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Daniel Marlin, 22 years old. Um, he scored uh, uh, 19 goals and eight assists in 32 area division matches. It's absolutely superb for a 22-year-old. For PSV Eindhoven this season, uh, terrific stuff. His stats look amazing as well. Like, yeah, very, very exciting talent. Even if, like me, you've never actually seen him play, you can tell <laughs> just from the stats. Um, anyway, um. Uh, just one final thing because we've been going for an hour and a half I can't believe it because time has flown it's been an absolute joy Um, just quickly looking at next season then uh, Dale Johnson from ESPN uh, did his final uh, VAR score uh, the net score for VAR and he put Liverpool not including not including offsides the dodgy offsides that went against us Liverpool were minus six points uh, for context, Burnley were plus four points. Everton plus four points. <laughs> Man United on zero points, which might uh, surprise some. Man City on plus one. Uh, but VAR against Liverpool, minus six points. Um, you would think, um, I'm going to go uh, just in the order of uh, alphabetical order. Um, Abdul for next season if VAR goes our way if injuries go our way if we get the players that we've been talking about uh, going forward uh, Trent says that uh, next year we're coming back for the trophies Abdul are we uh, my question is are we going to win uh, the Premier League or the Champions League are we going to do both is it going to be a treble is it going to be a quadruple a quintuple or a sextuple if you include uh, I don't know whatever else is left, what other trophies are left, or just because it'd just be gorgeous. How many are we going to win next season, Abdul? Well, clearly, because I have a philosopher's stone here and I've got my crystal ball, so I can just project into the future and I can tell you now we're going to do a treble. We're going to do a treble. Or um, at the very least, I'd like to see us attempt a proper treble for once. We always let the FA Cup slide because you don't have a good enough squad to compete on all fronts. But next season, I really want us to compete on all fronts, which includes the FA Cup. I want a nice little FA Cup run and improvement in our Premier League and Champions League performances and everybody fit. 
and a great midfield and Thiago playing 38 games and Mo Salah breaking every record again and Mane being back to his best. That's all I can pray for, all right? So that's what I want. That's beautiful stuff. Liam, what about you? What's your, what does your crystal ball say for next year? I think I'm, I'm not one to really make bold predictions, but I'm, I'm hoping we at least... The main thing for me is getting, getting towards the last four of the Champions League. I think that would be good. Obviously, from there, we know in the big games, we really we really like to show up. So I'd say get to, get to the last four from the Champions League, go from there. Who knows? We could easily win it from that position. But I think winning the Premier League again is my, uh, my main prediction. I think we'll do the league again. And like uh, like Abdul's just said, a cup run is something I'd like to see for a while, obviously. the um, When you when you go through the, the great teams who've had, you know, fantastic eras of dominance in football around the world, they've got European trophies, they've got league titles, they've got the Super Cups, they've got the, um, again, Club World Cups, etc., but they've all got domestic trophies. For us at the moment, that domestic trophy is something that we've kind of been missing. And again, we've had a little bit unlucky with draws. I mean, when you look at some of the draws that City and Man United have had, our draws look like carnage. But I think at least have a decent go at the Cups next year, because if you could get a, a Premier League and FA Cup double and then reach the last four of the Champions League, I think that would be a fantastic season. So I'd like to see us have a good run in the Cups, get that Premier League title back and hopefully just progress in the Champions League and then who knows from there, we could easily win it with his record and good games and a fully packed Anfield. Superb stuff, there you go. Um, Sophie, what about you? Are we, you know, how many are we going to get next year? No, I think, as always, FA Cup's going to go to pass. I don't give a crap about that anyway. I really couldn't care less about that trophy, to be honest with you. Um, I'd use it as a flower vase in my house, like that's how I look like here today. Um, I think we'll definitely go for the league again, and we'll definitely go for Champions League. But to be honest, I'm not really bothered if we do the treble or the quadruple or whatever. I'm not really asked about that, because for me, the priority is the Premier League and the Champions League, and that will be and will always be, you know, the epitome of top-flight football for me. So if we just do the double again, I'd like to do a double. Because we, we did the Champions League and then the following year we did the league. I'd like to just do the two of them in one. Excellent stuff. So just just the double for Sophie. What about you, Holmes? Yeah, I agree with Sophie. I don't really care about the FA Cup or the League Cup. I never really care about them. Um, I think for me, a good season for me, I think obviously with the fans back in the stand, if we get full stadium next season, I think we're a different kettle of fish. Um, and I think that really hindered us in the Champions League and it hindered us a lot this time in the league. So I think we have full full stadium filled. Then I think we definitely, whether we win the league, but we definitely push City like we did in 17-18 season where it's neck and neck. Um, and it's going to be just a fine margins who wins that. Um, I definitely expect us to leech reach minimum the semi-final of the Champions League, you know, to get that far. Because I think we, you know, if we had full fans and a full fit squad, we beat Madrid. Simple for me. But, you know, it is what it is. But I think I think that's where I'm expecting it. 
to win next season. I'm not going to say we're definitely going to win the league or the Champions League, but I'm minimum expect us to be on equal points with City going into the last five games of the season and reach the semi-final minimum of the Champions League. I love how that would be a really good season. And yet, Holmes, you're the most pessimistic of all of us because I'm going to say at least, at least the league as well. But no, that's excellent, excellent answers from everybody. Thank you so, so much. Um, just a couple of just uh, formalities, if you will, but they're big ones before we finish. Um, I put tweets out uh, for, for your young player of the season and the official young player of the season because... The uh, criteria is that you're 21 or under at the start of the season. 66.2% of people voted for Trent Alexander-Arnold. So he is the young player of the season ahead of Reese Williams in second with 19.5% and Curtis Jones on 14.3%. So Trent with a huge victory there. And as for the player of the season, no surprises. It's the Egyptian king. He's been unbelievable all season. 80% of the vote. He is the official cop on player of the season and it's beautiful to see Mo Salah I'm just going to leave you with the stats that I absolutely loved from uh, that uh, I found on Twitter from uh, Michael uh, what's his name I've got it here Michael excuse me Michael Reed at Michael underscore Reed 11 Mo Salah is only the second player in Liverpool's history to finish as the club's top scorer in all competitions in each of his first four seasons with the club after Harry Chambers from 1919 to 1923. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to everybody here. Abdul from Watch LFC. Uh, Liam, uh, remind us of what the name of your, your um, uh, pop podcast please for for leon and how how uh, our listeners can follow your work yeah i mean if you if you want to hear more about um who samawa um it's football well english we talk about leon week in week out it's been more depression in recent weeks but as i say if you if you're interested in opening your mind to um the, the vast of european football in particular leon come on over to us that's football well english and also if you're Interested in seeing some of my writing work. I've, I've written articles for the Academy, um, Copy, and um, I'm a regular lead contributor for French football for Over the Bar as well. So if you just follow me on Twitter, you'll you'll get all the um, the good stuff about Leon Liverpool and French football. Yeah, it's great stuff, listeners. Do check it out. Um, and Sophie and Holmes, uh, esteemed guests from the excellent Yanks of the Cup. Uh, uh, YouTube channel. Sophie, tell, tell our listeners about that, please. So you can find us on Twitter or on YouTube at Yanks of the Cop. Um, you can also find me on Sophie, well, Sophie on Twitter and you can find Wahomi. Well, he'll give you his own in a minute. Um, but yeah, you'll find our podcast on there where we just, we talk all things Liverpool, all things Champions League, Premier League, um, match reviews, pre-matches, so it's quite good. It's super stuff. So, Wahomi, how, where can people find you, please? Um, obviously, you can get me at, at Wahomi underscore LFC. Um, but I think um, Sophie basically said it all. Um, the only thing I'd add that we just recently done recently is you can also get us on Twitch now. Um, and you can also get us on uh, Yanks the Cop on any of the Apple or Spotify streams. 
superb stuff i can't believe we'd be going on for so long we've got so much to talk about there's so many things so many debates as we go into uh the summer but what you know what is true for all of us and all of you uh wonderful listeners at home is uh, i just want to thank you so so much for following us uh this season for sticking with cop on for spreading the word for you know making car stickers of cop on and sort of putting it on police cars for you know making a sort of bat sign that you can fire into the cloud above the skies of Azerbaijan and places where you live uh, you know keep go- keep going with all that stuff because it's uh, it's uh, it's wonderful thank you so so much for the support but all of us are going to sort of be riding this wonderful crest of a wave uh, that's formed on you know the blood of Nat Phillips and and Reese Williams that poured out of their eyes as we've given everything into this season to finish third into the Champions League we go with an extra 92 million in the back pocket to do what we want with um thank you so much everybody thank you very much to my guests and thank you for listening thank you cheers cheers, cheers. 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 cheers.